0: It's that time again. It's Greek for the Week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. And God bless you. It's the Greek for the Week podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We have a great show for you today. I'm so glad that you're a listener of Greek for the Week and that you're interested in New Testament scholarship. People say, why did you start this podcast? It wasn't just to hear myself talk, but I love the New Testament. I love the Old Testament, too. But the Old Testament hasn't been my particular area of study. I've really been involved in New Testament studies. But I wanted to bring to you deep insights from the New Testament and, and make them applicable today. Because, you know, sometimes we're, we go to school and we sit there and we have to say, well, how does this benefit me today? How does this play into my life? And, you know, one of the best ways to do that is through the Greek, because the New Testament was originally written in Greek. You know, oftentimes people write me on social media and they say, are you Greek? And I say, no, I'm not Greek. But the New Testament is very all things Greek. And so, I hope you've been enjoying the language of the, New, of the New Testament, the original language of the New Testament. I know Jewish writers are writing to us, but they're writing in Greek, and so it pays for us to know Greek and the Greek culture, historical, critical insight from the text. And that's really what we do in this podcast, as we do kind of historical examination, literature examination, narrative criticism, and we look at the text, and criticism, I say, not with a bad inclination, but with a good inclination, getting to the bottom of the text and finding out... What's in there to bring insight, you know, I know a lot of preachers, they they thank me and they say, hey, you know, we like listening to Greek for the week because it gives to us ideas for our sermons. Well, that's what preachers do. They preach what they find good, and I'm glad that I can help you. And so, all that said, if you know a preacher or somebody that can benefit from quick studies and lessons from the New Testament, make sure to send them to this podcast. And also, if you're enjoying it, make sure to give this podcast a five-star review. And don't forget, Letters from Jesus studies from the seven churches of revelation it's available on amazon and right now it's like five bucks less than five dollars you can go on and get it's like a 272 page book 52 studies if you have a bible study if you lead a bible study or you maybe lead a church group this is perfect you could get 10 copies for less than 50 bucks your whole bible study could study for a whole entire year if you meet once a week for less than five bucks a person that's great That's a great deal. It's great savings, but get it because Amazon, they raise the price back up, and it goes up and down, and right now, to date, it's like $4.74. You can't beat that. Okay, let's get into what we have today. We've been uh, studying about the Beatitudes, and I've said this on the podcast. This is the Jesus Manifesto. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. I'm not going to go over that again today, but you can listen to the last two podcasts to, to get insight about that. And we're moving through the Beatitudes. The Greek word Beatitude has nothing to do with your attitude that's not what the word means. It's not, excuse me, I said Greek word. It's the Latin word uh, from beatest, which means to be extremely blessed, to be abundantly blessed. And the Greek word uh, for uh, blessed here in uh, the book of Matthew, particularly here, the beatitudes, is mkireos. And it means to be envied. It means that you have uncovered a secret about life. Isn't that interesting? A secret about life that is so profound that people who see you doing this say, this person... He or she really has a handle on life, and I want what they have. Now, these are, these are not easy things to do. It definitely is not serving your flesh. And we talked about on the last podcast what it means to be poor in spirit. And tunumati, tonumati, which means to really feel your need for God, to recognize you have a need for God. Not just a need for money, not just a need for love and affection and fame or whatever it is that your flesh desires, but a real need for God. And you know you need him above everything else. And now we move to verse 4. And in the Beatitudes it says here, in verse 4, Which means, blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Now, you know, I think this scripture sometimes gets avoided because, especially, I kind of have been in Pentecostal circles my whole life. Now, if you've been in Pentecostal circles, you know that part of being a Pentecostal is being happy, is being exuberant. And yes, we are the church services that have dancing and shouting and real high praise in our service. And that that that's something that is part of the tradition that we have as Pentecostals, and I mean I've been in service. People take off running, people dance. You might not be used to that, but it really is wonderful to really have that much joy. And yes, I do know that at times people may fake it, but you know there are genuine expressions of the spirit. It says in Ephesians chapter five uh, to rejoice psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I mean, we, we see evident examples of dancing, expressions of the Holy Spirit that are genuine. Even David danced before the Lord. I mean, we're not going to get into a study of dancing, but it, I, I, I know genuine expressions. There's been times where the spirit of joy has overcome me, and, you know, I've rejoiced in such a sense. Not the greatest dancer, but it's always glorified to the Lord. And, and so sometimes we feel that to, to be a Pentecostal, you have to always be boisterous like this, and you always have to have a smile on your face. Everywhere you go, you should praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, he reigns, he's good. And that's always true at all times, no matter how we feel, and it's good to have joy. But, you know, you get to this scripture here, and you see Jesus, and he says, but, you know, there are times where mourning's required. And, you know, you can't mourn, we're going to see this in just a second, and, and be joyful at the exact same time, because your heart is really in a different place. And I, I'm not saying joy is taken from you, but the Greek word here for mourn, means to really be filled with grief. I know, I know. It's not what we, we see often, especially as Pentecostals. We don't, don't bring that grief up. We're, we're supposed to be happy at all times. I mean, I've seen Pentecostals come to funerals. Don't call it a funeral, though. It's not a funeral. It is a home going. Don't call it a funeral. Don't rain on the parade and call it a funeral. If you call it a funeral, it's negative. It must be positive. It's a home going. They're at home with the Lord. Okay, I get it. This is a game of semantics now. I really hate to boil things down to semantics. I really do because at that point, you're just trying to make a point and win an argument. It's Okay, it is what it is. We're laying the person to rest and we're celebrating their life. Okay, I understand that. Um, But they come in white. Now, if you do that, that's fine. But I, I'm an Italian, and we're not coming to anything in white, okay? Especially a funeral or a home going or whatever you call it. Be we're not showing up in white for that. We're wearing black because it's a time to mourn. Yes, I know the person is in heaven. I get that. And you want to celebrate that. But let's just be honest. If they are not 110 years old, even if they are 110 years old, you're going to be somewhat sad. You're going to be sad because you're going to be without... You're gonna be without that person. They're no longer gonna be there, and it doesn't matter who it is. If you're close to that person or you love that person, the fact that they're absent from your life is gonna make you sad. And I just I don't think it cuts it when people counsel when someone's lost and they just say, "Oh, you just praise God." They're just to just be thankful they're in heaven. I know Paul said we're not those that more we're not like those who mourn having no hope. Well, that's that's a deep sort of uh, uh, of tragic ending that you're mourning over i mean but because that person there's no hope for that person and there's comfort in understanding there's going to be the resurrection of the body there's a new heaven a new earth and god is making all things new there's a comfort that comes from that but there's still sadness that you have when somebody when somebody departs and goes home and and you counseling wise you have to work through those emotions okay and it's sadness and there are times as believers where we do face sadness and we do face grief. And the healthy thing is to grieve in those times of grieving. And it, it's just not going to be, it's not going to always be sunny skies. And I think it's delusional to think otherwise. That's my opinion. Um, that people have real hurts. And there's nothing wrong with grieving somebody that's gone. You should take that time to grieve. You should take that time to to reflect and to maybe have times of solitude where you reflect to work through that grieving process. But, but I will tell you, that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here, but over a different reason. It's not for somebody, you're not mourning for someone that is lost here. The Greek word here really means, it, it, in, in ancient antiquity, it describes somebody mourning over their son, the loss of their son. So you understand it's deep, heartfelt sorrow. And Jesus is telling us that in order to follow him, There has to be something that we're sorrowing over. Now, that's an interesting concept. There's something that makes us sad. Well, what is it that makes us sad? It's very simple. It's the fact that we live in a fallen world and the effects of sin we see every day. Though we're new in Christ, we see the effects of sin all day long. It means here that we are weeping over the losses that are caused by sin. That means people not being reconciled unto God. It refers to people being uh, separated from uh, their position in God or having been separated from all the benefits that are in Christ Jesus. And so this is this is what Jesus is saying takes to follow him. Uh, another thing it could mean is that it is being saddened by the fact that you've lost your innocence. Now, I know that you are... Righteous before Christ, that He's made all things new in your life. But if you've experienced sin, we all have. You've lost somewhat of your innocence, and the more you, there's that old saying on the internet: you can't unsee what you see. And if you open a door, you can close it, and you can repent and move forward. But you've experienced it, and there's likely a memory. It imprints itself onto your memory. You've tasted the forbidden fruit, and very understandably you've experienced it you can't unexperience it and so you've lost you've lost your innocence to that thing and that's that should make make us sad at times that we all in our own way have have lost our innocence and we should be distraught by that we should be distraught by the fact that we see wickedness every day and we see it playing out in the world we see governmental systems that oppress people we see lying in politics lying in our day-to-day lives uh dishonesty everywhere. You would see a world that has full of war, all the bad things that take place when it comes to natural cataclysm uh, treachery. And we should be sad about this. Now, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter three and verse number eighteen, he says something interesting, and and, and we, we go right over it sometimes because we're reading so fast. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I'll read it again. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even I tell you this with tears coming down my face. They walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. The Apostle Paul is saying that the fact that that these are enemies of Christ— okay, makes me sad and it breaks my heart. And this is a very effective key to being a good minister is, is mourning over the things that God mourns about and having genuine sadness about the fact that there's sin in the earth, having genuine sadness about the fact that we see the consequences of sin that are affecting our day-to-day lives and, and, and being sorrowful over it. It makes you a powerful prayer warrior to see that. It makes you a more convicting preacher to have that heartfelt disposition toward the effects of sin. It makes you, how about this, a more compassionate citizen, and more helpful citizen to help people who are in that sin. And it really makes you, how about this, a better follower of Jesus to understand that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. We, the world around us is simply a delusion. This world we are, I should say, in this world, and we, are, we become disillusioned by sin. And we all know that disillusion means to see something and know that it's not as good as it, it's cracked up to be. And it doesn't take much success in the world and experiencing the world to realize it's not what they say it is. Alcohol is not what the beer commercials say it is. Sex is not what people say it is. And being famous—just ask any famous person—isn't what you might think it is when you start off on your journey to be the next hit YouTuber. It's not, for various reasons we won't get into. The only thing that is what, what is all that's cracked up to be, is experiencing Christ in all of your relationships, in all of your day-to-day life, experiencing Christ through. Your relationships with other people or experiencing Christ through whatever, whatever sacrament that He has us experiencing Him through. It's knowing Jesus. It's the only thing that's going to satisfy your heart. So, when we want to follow Him more closely, we are saddened by the realities of sin in this life. And that's what following Christ is all about. And that's one of the secrets of life is that if we're really walking close to the Lord, We're going to be saddened by the things that break his heart. And that is things in this world that are keeping it from being the reality. And we look for a reality. We look for another hope that will eclipse, okay, what we have today. But it's not come. So we look for it with hope. We rejoice in that hope. We rejoice where God tells us to rejoice and we're sad about the things that God is sad about. We share share his heart. And when the world sees us sharing God's heart, it will speak to them. And they will say, you know... I wish I could, I wish I could have compassion toward humanity, the way you have compassion toward humanity. I wish I could celebrate the holidays, the way you celebrate the holidays with conviction. And you know something? That's one of the secrets to being rich in this life, to being blessed. Okay? Hope you enjoyed today. Remember, you like this podcast, give it a five-star review, Letters from Jesus, available on Amazon.com. Just type in letters from Jesus, Chris Palmer. There's a couple other books called Letters from Jesus. Make sure you're buying The Blue One by Chris Palmer. And we'll talk to you next time on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.